This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock and one shepherd. And for this reason, the Father loves me because I laid down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of mine own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. I want to take that as my text this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 10, and beginning at verse 11. If you have a New Testament handy, I want to encourage you to turn there. John, chapter 10, and beginning at verse 11. And this morning I want to talk about when the Good Shepherd becomes my shepherd. When the Good Shepherd becomes my shepherd. Of course, it was King David who famously said that the Lord, Yahweh, is his shepherd. And here in our text this morning, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. It might be pointed out even as we begin that Jesus isn't the good shepherd to everyone. Indeed, in this same Gospel of John in the 10th chapter in verse 25, this is what Jesus says to his detractors, his enemies, those who are always trying to catch him up. He said this, you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. And so Jesus is the good shepherd, but he isn't in point of fact the good shepherd to everyone. But what happens when he is? What happens when the good shepherd becomes my shepherd? Well, Jesus mentions no less than two things in our text. And the first is this, that when Jesus, that when Jesus, indeed, when Jesus, the good shepherd, becomes my shepherd, I become the object of his sacrificial love. I become the object of his sacrificial love. Indeed, notice again, beginning at verse 11. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, and who does not own the sheep, he sees a wolf coming, a threat, a predator, and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. He that is the hired hand flees because he is a hired hand. And cares nothing for the sheep. And then picking up in verse 17. And for this reason, the Father that is God, the Father, he loves me, Jesus says. Because I laid down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, Jesus says. But I lay it down of mine own accord. 
I have authority that is power to, to lay it down and I have authority or power to take it up again. And this charge I have received of my father. And so Jesus says that he is the, the good shepherd. This is one of the famous I am statements as we have them in the Gospel of John. There's seven of them altogether. For instance, in chapter six, Jesus says, I, I am the bread of life. In chapter eight, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. In chapter 11, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection of the in the life. And then in chapter 15, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, etc. There and there are others. And here in chapter 10, in our text, Jesus says, and I am the good shepherd. And of course, all of these I am statements, Jesus saying that he's bread and that he's light and, and so on, uh, for, for the most part are, are metaphors, as is here. Jesus never sh shepherded any sheep, so far as I know. He was a carpenter with his father in the Galilee. Uh, but, but here he's speaking metaphorically that he is uh, the good shepherd. And, and this of uh, the metaphor of the shepherd is a, is a vivid one because shepherding was a major occupation in Palestine in Jesus's day. And so even if not everyone who was listening to Jesus when he said these things understood the primary point that Jesus was making, they at least understood what he was saying about shepherds themselves. Indeed, to Jesus's listeners would have understood uh, what Merrill Tenney says about shepherds in his commentary on the Gospel of John, namely uh, that shepherding uh, involves both uh, protective concern and an attitude of self-sacrifice. That shepherding involved both a protective concern and an attitude of self-sacrifice. And this was especially true given the predators that existed in Palestine in Jesus's own day. There were wolves, and even lions uh, and bears, which Jesus uh, mentions here, even in our own text, when he mentions the wolf. And Jesus says that uh, he is the good shepherd who sacrifices his life for the good of the sheep. I indeed, the sheep, that is his followers, and that's what sheep do, by the way, they, they follow the shepherd. That's sort of an interesting thing. With cattle, you drive them from behind. Uh, but when you're dealing with sheep, you you go before them and you lead them and you call them by name. But and and they follow. You don't drive them from behind, uh, but you lead them, and they follow. Uh, and 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 uh, um, his pr primary concern as the shepherd is them. Uh, indeed, the the well-being uh, of the sheep uh, to the shepherd to a true shepherd. Uh, is of greater concern to him than even his own well-being, even as Jesus describes it here. Uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, in his paraphrase, the message put it this way, the good shepherd puts the sheep before himself. And why is that? Well, that, that's because the good shepherd loves the sheep. Indeed, in one of uh, John's other writings in his letter, his first letter, uh, in First uh, John in chapter 3, and verse 16, this is what John writes. And by this, we know love. By this, we understand it. We see it modeled before us. We know love because he laid down his life for us. Indeed, Jesus, uh, the good shepherd, isn't like the hireling. Uh, someone who, a hireling, a hired hand who is uh, uh, paid to temporarily look after the sheep. 
Indeed, the, the hireling uh, looks after the sheep uh, for money. Uh, the, the hireling uh, uh, is, is shepherding, and, and to him, it's just a, a business opportunity. Uh, he doesn't, as Jesus says in our text, actually care for the sheep. The sheep uh, are to him just a, a means to another end. And so, as Jesus puts it, uh, when the hireling sees the wolf coming and the well-being of the sheep are threatened and even his own life is threatened, uh, the hireling, he abandons the sheep and he runs for cover uh, because uh, his first priority and his primary concern as a pastor who would only pastor the sheep <laughs> uh, only for money his primary concern is himself. And so with the hireling in charge, the wolf comes and he destroys some of the sheep and then he scatters the rest. And Jesus says this happens because the hireling cares nothing ultimately for the sheep. But when Jesus, this good shepherd, is my shepherd, I become an object of his sacrificial love. When you, when he becomes your shepherd, <laughs> you become an object of his sacrificial love. Indeed, he will not allow anything to come between you and him, uh, even if he should have to die to see you safe, which, by the way, is exactly what he did, didn't he? And so we read in the scriptures, Romans 5 and verse 8, and God shows his love for us. And while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Or as Brennan Manning famously put it, God loves you so much he'd rather die than live without you. And Jesus says that God the Father loves him because he sacrifices his life and more. Indeed, notice again our text. And at, at verses 17 and 18, and Jesus says, for this reason, the father, his father, loves me, he says, because I laid down my life that I might take it up again. And then he says something interesting. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority or power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. And this charge to lay it down. And to take it up again, I have received from the Father. In fact, earlier, what? In the Gospel of John in chapter 3, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the Father gives the Son, and the Son allows himself to be given uh, willingly and voluntarily. Indeed, uh, Jesus sacrifices himself voluntarily. And not even that, not just that, but what we might say deliberately. Indeed, Jesus' death wasn't a mistake. Uh, he didn't die as some sort of a powerless victim, nor even uh, as a martyr dying for what he believed in, uh, all the while wishing that he might have lived longer. Rather, Jesus' death is in keeping with the divine intent. And so we read uh, even in this same Gospel of John in chapter 19, an interesting uh, bit of interaction between the Roman governor Pilate and Jesus. But in uh, John 19 and beginning at verse 10, we read, And Pilate said to Jesus when uh, Jesus was on trial before Pilate, 
Pilate said to Jesus, Do, don't you know that I have authority or power to release you and, and power to crucify you? And then in verse 11, Jesus replies, you wouldn't have any authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above, unless it had been given to you <laughs> from God. And so Jesus' death was in keeping with the divine intent, as was his resurrection, by the way. And so we read them um, in uh, Acts chapter 2 in uh, 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 Peter's famous uh, Pentecost sermon. And this is what he says, and he said many things, but this is one of the things that he said in Acts chapter 2 and beginning at verse 23. And this Jesus, and notice the description, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. What happened to Jesus was all according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And he said, Peter says to the people to whom he's speaking, they're in the, in the uh, temple precincts. This Jesus you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it, to be held by death. And so that's the first thing. When the good shepherd becomes my shepherd, I become the object of his self-sacrificing love. And then secondly, when the good shepherd becomes my shepherd, I come to know him and he knows me. Notice again at verse 14, indeed 14 through 16. Jesus says, and I am the good shepherd, the shepherd of blessing and benefit. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock and one shepherd. What Jesus is talking about in that first, first part of, of, of that section from John chapter 10 is, is spiritual intimacy. He's not just uh, when he says that uh, I know my own and my own know me. He's not just talking about mutual intellectual uh, uh, awareness, uh, but rather uh, mutual knowledge in the in the biblical sense, which often refers to so much more uh, than just intellectual awareness, but but intimacy, uh, knowledge that is uh, of uh, of someone else uh, that is intimate. And Jesus mentioning the relationship that that exists between him and God the Father makes this abundantly clear. Notice again verse fourteen, and then and into verse fifteen. And I know mine own, and my and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. That the the, the relationship that exists between Jesus and the Father is an ex extraordinary one. Uh, an intimate one. And Jesus says that the relationship between him and the sheep is just the same. And, and then Jesus said, oh, indicates that he wasn't just talking about uh, the Jewish sheep or, or his Jewish followers, the, those who were following him even as he was speaking, uh, but prior to his passion, uh, those who were his, uh, his sheep at the time, but also sheep that were already his, 
but that but hadn't yet been called uh, hadn't yet been gathered by him sheep not of the fold that he was pastoring at the time if you will but sheep that would be added to his flock uh, resulting jesus says in one unified uh, flock uh, under the lordship of one shepherd what namely him the, the good shepherd sheep that when jesus calls them they will hear his voice and when they hear his vo voice they answer his call indeed jesus says in another place uh, many are called but few are chosen and who are the chosen the chosen are those who answer that call and so when we come to, when we come to the 17th chapter of john often uh, called uh, the, the 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 chapter of the high priestly prayer of jesus where he he prays for the flock that he was pastoring then name, namely uh, the disciples and then he extends his prayer to include those who would become a part of his flock through the ministry of the apostles but this is what we read in john 17 beginning at verse 20 he and he says to god the father and i do not ask only for these Peter, James, and John, and, and so on. But I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word, through their ministry. Verse 21, that they all, both the flock that I have now and the flock that I will seek very soon in the, in the near future, and jo join them all together so that they all may be one, just as you, Father, this is a prayer, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And so the same spiritual intimacy and union that exists between Jesus and his Father is extended uh, to the disciples that were with Jesus prior to his passion and those that he would add to his flock as the days went on, as Jesus says, who would be added through the ministry of his apostles. In fact, uh, we get to, uh, information relative to that in, in the Great Commission. In, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, after the resurrection and prior to his ascension, he, he told that original flock, he told uh, his apostles, he said, in there, he said, and therefore go and make disciples of all nations, not just in Israel, not just amongst the Jews, not just like Jews like us, but go and make disciples of all nations, Gentiles like I am, <laughs> and perhaps for the most part you are. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always as you're doing this, even to the end of the age, or in Acts chapter one, after his resurrection and prior to his ascension, he said to the same group, to Peter, James, and John, and Bartholomew, and Philip, and Andrew, and all the rest of them, he said, but you will receive power on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. What? To go and collect that additional flock that it might be added to the flock as it existed even in the apostles' day uh, prior to Jesus' ascension 
and prior to the coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. I read recently something that Basil the Great, uh, the Bishop of Cappadocian Caesarea, something that he wrote in the mid fourth century. He wrote this, he said, oh man, what should we do with you? When God remains in the heights, you do not seek him. And when he comes down and converses with you in human flesh, you do not receive him. And yet Jesus himself, who is God come to us in the flesh, Jesus, the good shepherd, he says in the gospel of John, all that the father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And then again, even in this 10th chapter of John, Jesus says, and my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And so I wonder this morning, do you hear him calling you by name? And if you do, will you follow him with all of your heart? When the good shepherd becomes my shepherd, let us pray. It's an extraordinary thing to think that we are dust and unto dust we shall return. That we that we come and we go, we're born and we die. And yet um, in all of our weakness, even in all of our sin from which we are in need of forgiveness and about which you are more aware than even we are, Father. You love us. Yahweh, you are our shepherd. And Jesus is our shepherd, the good shepherd. And you love us. And you proved it through Jesus. He was willing to pay the ultimate price, giving everything that he had. That he might reach us and solve our problem, solve our sin problem, its power. Uh, and the judgment due to it. We pray, Lord, uh, that you would move in our hearts and that this wouldn't be just something. Oh, here we are again. Jesus, the good shepherd. I've heard it so many times but that we would hear it in a new, a fresh way, that we would hear it and that it would have a, a transforming power uh, in our hearts and in our lives so that we would hear the voice of the Son and respond to it and follow even as we prayed earlier in this service. And this we pray in his name. Amen.